I need to tell you that I have been uh, afraid this week, but probably not for the reasons that you might, if you were going to guess why I was afraid, um, you're probably wrong. The reason why I was afraid this week is because I've felt the Lord inspiring me or impressing upon me to share with all of you the lies that my mother told me when I was a child. And that the thing that scares me is that she's watching this online right now and I'm going to get in trouble. But I'm going to do it anyway because i got to do what the Lord tells me to do. So you want to hear one of the lies my mom taught me when I was a kid? She said, Craig, don't swallow your gum because it'll just sit there in your belly for seven years. And if you do it all the time, you get a big ball of gum in your gut. How many of your moms told you that? Just about every single one of you. Let me tell you, your moms are liars. That is not the truth. Well, it kind of is the truth. Gum does not digest very well. But what happens, apparently, from what I read on the internet, and you can trust everything you find on the internet, right? From what I read on the internet, um, it, it just kind of passes right through, which whoever had the job of proving that, glad it wasn't me, okay? Another lie, this was even worse. Another lie that she taught me when I was a kid, she said, Craig, you can't go swimming for 30 minutes after you've eaten. How many of your moms taught you that? It's a lie! There is no reason in the world why you can't go swimming right after you eat. My mom said you can't go swimming after you've eaten for 30 minutes because you'll get cramps and then you'll drown and then you'll die. Well, that's not true. Uh, you know, so they traced back where that came from. You want to know where that, that, um, that lie came from? 1908. Mm -hmm. Trace it all the way back to the Boy Scout Manual of 1908. And there it said you didn't have to wait 30 minutes. You were supposed to wait 90 minutes after you have eaten. I'm telling you right now, I, it was like torture for me to wait 30 minutes. You know, I'd sit there on the beach or on, on the side of the pool, and my 30 minutes, the water's just calling out to me, come swim, right? Can you imagine waiting 90 minutes? Now, some of you, mom, I know you're watching. Some of you are probably thinking I'm a little harsh on my mom, on your mom, right? And that I probably am because our moms didn't teach us these things because they were trying to be ornery or mean. They taught us these things because uh, they were looking out for us. They, so a lie maybe isn't the right way to describe it. Maybe a better way to describe it is as a misconception. How about that? Does that sound better, Mom? Um, see, this is what happens. There's a lot of instances in all of our lives, in all the areas of our lives, when we are clinging to misconceptions that really aren't true. Some of them are important, some of them really aren't. Well, this morning we're going to conclude our sermon series. We've been in a sermon series during the month of, of June on um, understanding worship better. And today I'm going to conclude this sermon series with debunking a misconception that almost all of you have held your entire life about what worship is. So if you're ready, I want you to open up your Bibles. If you got them, take out your phones to the Old Testament book of Micah, chapter 6. And as you're doing that, I'll give you a little context so you'll understand um, what's going on in this passage. Because if I just gave you one, the one verse that we're going to be uh, uh, exploring, and you didn't understand the context, it, would, it wouldn't mean nearly as much to you. So, I don't know how many of you have ever heard of Micah, the Old Testament prophet, but let me tell you a little bit about Micah, the Old Testament prophet. Um... If I was going to describe him to you, the best way I could describe Micah to you is as an old farm boy. 
he, uh, he grew up in the country, out, out in the rural areas of Israel. And he, his, whole, his whole life, his whole ministry was spent out in the country or in the small towns of Israel. And it was that upbringing that kind of informed his worldview and uh, especially his view on religion or on, on God. He, his, his worldview and his view of religion could basically be summed up like this. Um, life and relationship with God should be simple and authentic. Somebody say amen to that, right? That, that he would fit in just fine among us. Simple and authentic is the way he, um, he was constantly preaching this to people. And, and one of the things that, that frustrated him most in his, his uh, ministry was that, that oftentimes the people of God would participate in a lot of mindless rituals in which most of them had no idea why they did these, these rituals, these religious rituals. They just did them why. If you're going to take a guess why people will participate in mindless rituals, why would you say? Any, anybody, just yell it out. Because that's the way you always done them, right? Well, we've always done it that way. And you never stop to think why we've always done it. Most of the time, those rituals that have been established, they actually do have a reason and a purpose. But often, we, um, we end up participating in them and never ask the why. Well, he was, he was, it, those kind of things just drove him nuts. And he was constantly on the people of God to say, don't just let your religion be mindless. Because if you, if you aren't understanding why you do what you do and why you have a relationship with God and what that relationship with God ought to look like, um, it's going to be the demise of the entire nation of Israel. It's going to be the demise of you as people of God. Imagine, the, so the, if I was to bring it into a, a modern day culture, um, uh, give you an, a, an example, it's like, um, and I'm not trying to badmouth ca- Catholics because we all do this, but you understand, you'll understand my analogy in just a second. Have you ever known or have you ever heard of people who will go to confession on Saturday night to cleanse their slate of their, their sins so they can go out that very same night and fill it back up again? Well, basically, that's, that was the, the people that Micah was, was preaching to. This, they just do things because I check off a box and has nothing to do with my relationship with God or, or who I am in God. So, it's all of that as background. We come to our scripture lesson for today, Micah chapter 6, verse 8. And it was by the power of the Holy Spirit that Micah said this to the people of God. He said, the Lord has shown me what is good. Let me say that again. The Lord has shown me what is good. To live justly. To love mercy. And to walk humbly before our God. Not a very long list. Pretty simple and authentic, really, when you think about it, isn't it? To live justly, to walk, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before our God. Really what he was trying to say to the people of God is, folks, you're missing the point about your religion. You see, if you you don't actually apply that which you say you believe to your life, 
It means nothing. You need to, you need to apply it. Now, most of us, we hear that, especially if you hear the little explanation I give you. Most of you can say, well, yeah, that's, that's obviously that's what it means. But what if I were to suggest to you that most of us sitting here today, even after hearing that explanation, most of us are missing the point too. Because if you dig just a little deep and you start, you start to really look what Micah was saying, what he was really saying is this. He's saying that it's not just your faith, but your faith is a, ought to be a lifestyle. He was trying to say to us, you, got, you guys have been living into a misconception that worship happens an hour a week on Sunday mornings. That is not what worship ought to be. Worship ought to be to uh, live justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly before God. In other words, worship should be something that you do every day in everything that you do, every breath that you breathe, every activity that you involve yourself in is or at least should be an act of worship. We have spent our whole lives thinking that it's only what we're doing right now that is worship. Well, that's a lie. Or at least it should be. Everything that we do, every breath that we breathe ought to be an act of worship, ought to bring God glory. Now, this is what we've done. Most of us human beings, especially in the culture in which we live, we have done a great job of compartmentalizing our lives, haven't we? We have our work compartment and we've got our, our play compartment and we've got our financial compartment and we've got our, um, you name it. We've got all these different compartments. Now, I don't know whether these, creating these compartments has been a good thing or not. I can see maybe reason why they, we would do that. But I'm not sure if it's a good thing or not. But you know what I am sure of? I am sure of the fact that God never intended your faith to be compartmentalized. God intends our, our relationship with him to affect all of the compartments of your life. Everything that you do. So, is what we're doing right now worship? Absolutely what we're doing right now. Are the songs that, that we're singing, are those worship? Yes, that's worship. Are the prayers that we lead, are that, is that worship? Of course it is. But what God wants us to understand is that uh, it's worship when you treat your waitress with compassion when you go out for lunch after church. That's worship. God wants us to know that it's, it's worship when we uh, are ethical in our business practices. That's worship. God wants us to know that it's worship when we offer grace to our spouse when they do something stupid. I really wish Lisa was here today. But she's probably listening too, Lisa. So I hope you heard that. Worship ought to be every breath that we breathe and everything that we do. So dispel the misconception, the myth, the lie that you've been holding on to your whole life and start recognizing and living into the truth that worship, the worship of Jesus, the worship of God is everything, everything that you do. You start, you start worshiping like that, 
your life will be changed. I promise you.